Those are some images from last week. Our youth did an activity called Plugged In, a way of getting plugged into our community so they could be a blessing to them, playing with kids from the community, teaching them how to play soccer, cleaning up Beyond the Walls Food Pantry and the Fruitland Park Elementary School, trying to teach our young people that life is more about uh, everyone else around you than it is so much about you and what you want. Uh, it's a really hard thing to teach teenagers sometimes. And we're in the middle of this series on the parables of the kingdom, and that's kind of what that event is about. We've kept using this word kingdom over the last month. It's kingdom, kingdom. What is this kingdom? And, and, and it's, it is something where obviously there is a what in the kingdom. There's a king, and that king in this kingdom is Jesus. He's our ruler. He has all authority. We worship him. We bow to him. We obey his laws and commands. The Old Testament actually gives us a glimpse into the nature of this kingdom. If you want, you can turn to Matthew 13. That's where we've been this month. I'm going to read something to you quickly from the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 7, probably one of the more important passages in our Bible. What you'll find in 2 Samuel chapter 7 is called the Davidic Covenant. It's the covenant that God made with David about his future, about the, the future of his line, his heirs. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God is speaking to David through the prophet Nathan. And in verse 12, close to the end of this prophecy to David, God says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom Forever. In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, Daniel is called out to interpret the, the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar there in Babylon. You can read Daniel chapter 2 to find out about this dream, but as Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar what this dream means, in verse 44 he says, And in those days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. So the Old Testament lets us know that this kingdom that's coming, number one, the king of that kingdom will come from the line of David, and number two, this kingdom, this king's kingdom that came from the line of David, will what? It will never end. It will last forever. God himself will set it up, and it will be an eternal kingdom. A couple of weeks ago we learned from the parable of the sower that the message of this kingdom will be sowed very liberally all over the world. That God is preparing the hearts of people. Sometimes the seed will fall on good soil, a softened heart, just like the song we just sang. Soften my heart so I can receive the message of the kingdom. Sometimes it won't fall on soft hearts. Sometimes it will fall on hardened hearts. And those people will reject the kingdom. They will reject the king of the kingdom. Last week we talked about the fact from the parable of the weeds that even though people are going to reject this message, it's God's desire that as many people as possible will be saved. That he is waiting. The reason for this long uh, wait and, and this time before his final return, before this day of judgment, is so that he won't have to divide as many people permanently away from his presence. God doesn't desire for anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to a, a knowledge of him for salvation, to become part of his kingdom. 
Today we're going to be moving on to two, new, two other parables that are going to teach us about the growth of this kingdom, how it grows, what that looks like. The parables of the mustard seed and the leaven. You've probably read these before. They can also be confusing like some of these other parables. Remember, we talked in week one that the reason Jesus speaks in parables is, number one, for those who have been uh, given the ability to understand, he is revealing the ways of the kingdom. But at the same time, to those who have not been given the ability to understand, he is, he is keeping secret the ways of the kingdom. The main lesson from these two parables today is that small things can have very large effects. I'll say that again. Small things can have very large effects. There was this guy, Lord, Lord Kelvin. He wasn't actually a lord, but he was a lord like in, you know, England area. He was a great mathematician, a physicist. And he used an experiment to prove the same point. He had this giant piece of, of steel weighing many pounds hanging there in his lab. Okay, and he proceeded to wad up little bits of paper about the size of a pea, and he would throw it at this huge thing of steel. Of course, at first, nothing happened, but over time, because of the relentless tapping of that little paper, that huge piece of steel began to sway back and forth. Have you heard of this? It just showed that small things can have profound results, and that's really the, the lesson today behind these parables. So read with me, Matthew 13. Only a few verses today, verse 31 to 33. Jesus says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. That's the word of the Lord. Can we pray? Father, as we open up your word today, I pray that you would help us to understand it. Um, I have nothing of my own but only whatever you give to us, Father. So I pray that as we look at your word that it would be clear to us, that it would be truth to us, that it would convict us where we're wrong and help us to change and grow to be the people of your kingdom you desire us to be. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about that Jesus is coming and his ushering in of his father's kingdom was different than kind of what everybody was expecting. Okay? He didn't immediately take his rightful place as king of this earth. Instead, there was a small, humble beginning, kind of an entry or an inauguration of the kingdom but then it's going to be followed by this long period of growth before it's finally consummated in the day of the Lord. The mustard plant's growth and the leaven's permeation of that flower, both of which take time, illustrate this point. So let's first look at the mustard seed. It says that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. He said it's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants. And becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. I want you to know that it's not really important that it's the smallest seed. I've, I've read many books this week that say there's actually other seeds smaller than the mustard seed. The point is that in that day it was very custom to talk about this little mustard seed because of its growth, its potential. Usually when you sow a little seed in a garden, what do you get? You know, like a carrot? Or a tomato. I don't, I don't sow lots of seeds in the garden. Sydney does. 
but I do. I've been to Sydney's garden, and I've pulled up plants, and, and we've cracked green beans, and we've done that thing, and none of the seeds in his garden ever grew to a tree. Like the mustard seed will grow to a tree that could be 10 or 12 feet big, this big bushy tree with, with branches everywhere, and, and a, big, a big thick tree where birds can even nest in it and find shelter from, from the wind and the rain. Pretty amazing. This, this tiny, almost invisible seed of faith can grow into something capable of that shade and shelter. I want you to know that's who Jesus is. That's what being a part of his kingdom does for us. When we join his kingdom, we get to be a part of something where we can find the shelter and rest among its branches. Now, most people, most theologians will say that Jesus was alluding to a very specific prophecy from the Old Testament. You can, uh, you can listen. This might be on the screen. I'm not sure. It's Ezekiel chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 22 to 24. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And listen, and under it will dwell every kind of bird, every kind. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort, every sort, will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. I believe that Jesus is alluding to this passage when he says that this mustard seed that will grow into a large tree where birds will come and find rest in its branches and make nests to take shelter from bad weather. And I think Jesus is talking about this passage in Ezekiel where he says, where God is talking about the tree that he will plant. He will, he will initiate this, this huge tree where people will find shelter. And he says, every bird, every sort. Did you know that God's heart is for the nations? From day one, God's heart has been for people of all nations, all tongues, all tribes, that they would come and worship him. Jesus is telling them the kingdom is the kind of kingdom that one day, not just the Israelites, not just the Jews, but one day the Gentiles of all the world will come and worship him. They'll find rest and shelter in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus tells us that it's really hard to believe that anything could grow from the smallness of a mustard seed. You know, if you had this tiny little seed, I, I imagine my kids when they were in kindergarten, they brought this cup home, had dirt in it. You remember that? And that stresses me out, because I know one of my kids is going to knock it over. But uh, sure enough, a few days later, this little green thing grows. That's what I think. You know, you plant a seed in dirt, and this little thing sticks up for a few days, and you throw the thing in the trash. Okay? No. <laughs> you don't have to save everything your kid makes, okay? If you did that, you'd have to buy a bigger house, okay? You've got to throw some of that stuff away. Okay? Jesus says, no, this little seed, it might be hard to imagine, but when you plant it, it grows grows to a tree so big that birds can come and make a nest in it. Can you really expect to find the strength enough to get a foothold, like climb this thing, to build a nest in it, withstand the winds? Jesus says, yes, that's the kingdom of God. Why? The kingdom of God is not limited by human expectations. Can I say that again? The kingdom of God is not limited by human expectations. Sometimes we limit God, sometimes by our own expectations, but guess what? If he wills it, it still happens. Even if we get in his way, 
he still allows it to happen because he's God. He's more powerful than we can ever imagine. He can take something very, very tiny and produce great results. You know, I think about the kingdom expansion that has happened already since this parable was spoken, though, all those years ago. I mean, Jesus is talking this day to a pretty decent-sized crowd, but at this point, his following is still very small. Remember when he, we talked last week, he went back to the house and explained these parables to the disciples? Only they got to be the ones that got to hear the explanation. It's just a few guys in a house. And, and they didn't even understand everything he had taught them up to this point. But then that little group of disciples, those guys that had not been chosen by the world, those guys that would not win any sort of popularity contest, only a few years later in the book of Acts chapter 2, listen to what that group of guys did. It was the day of Pentecost. Jesus had gone back to heaven, and he said, listen, you still don't understand what I've taught you. I want you to go hide in this house so you don't mess anything up until I send my Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, my Bible says a multitude of people showed up. I don't know how many people that is, but a lot of them. This big sound happened, and it was mid-morning, and the Holy Spirit has finally appeared and showed up on this group of disciples, this small group, this small following that Jesus had before he left. And these people showed up, and what happened? Peter stood up. And do you remember his message, this great gospel message that Peter showed to, spoke to all this group of people that showed up. And in verse 41, listen to what it says. When Peter got done talking, he says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So very shortly, this, this little thing that had started with Jesus speaking to this group of people, remember by the Sea of Galilee, he had called some of these guys to be his disciples. They didn't even truly understand. Things weren't happening as fast as everyone wanted it. And then only a short time later, in one day, 3,000 people are saved and added to the kingdom. Momentum is starting to happen. More than 2,000 years later and more than 2,000 miles away, here we are gathering together to worship part of this kingdom, to worship the king of the kingdom, Jesus, and talking about his word. I would say momentum is there, right? This thing is swinging. Jesus had been throwing those little pieces of paper at that still, and nothing was happening until eventually the Holy Spirit kicks in, and boy, this thing is going like this now. It's exciting to be a part of this kingdom. This growth is going to continue until one day what we read in Revelation will be realized. Listen to what Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, it says this. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen? What started in the Old Testament as prophecy is revealed and come to conclusion in the book of Revelation. It's not happened yet today, but it's on its way. Can you see the momentum that's happening from the day that Jesus was there by the seaside telling these stories about the growth of the kingdom, and some people got it, some people didn't? And now, all these years later, 
that, that big piece of steel is swinging like crazy and people are coming to know the kingdom. The mustard seed then is this. The point of that is outwardly, what we can see growing, the kingdom expands from an insignificant beginning to an extravagant end. Outwardly, the kingdom expands from an insignificant beginning to an extravagant end, okay? Now, there's another side to the growth of the kingdom, and it doesn't only expand outwardly, but inwardly as well. Look at me, Matthew 13, verse 33, the parable of the leaven. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Now, I don't garden, and I also don't make bread. But I have learned this week that leaven is actually a piece of last week's dough that was saved, and they would take this dough and put it into the flour in the middle of it. That's what it means by hiding it. It doesn't mean something secret there. It's just you can't see it anymore. It's hidden in there in the middle of it. Now, this says three measures of flour. From what I have understood, that's like 50 pounds of flour, okay? It would feed more than 100 people when this process is over with. Very big. And as the mustard seed grows to a much greater size, the leaven has a widespread influence. It spreads throughout the entire flour. It changes everything about it. Not only does the flour change in size by getting bigger, the leaven brings about change from within. It permeates everything. Changes everything. Instead of, instead of, instead of looking like what it was going to be, this piece of flat bread, remember in the Old Testament, unleavened bread, not real tasty? It turns into this giant loaf, you know, like my kids, they love the bread at Cheesecake Factory, you know, or, you know, Olive Garden, all that stuff. They just want the bread. You know, we spend all this money for dinner because all they wanted was bread. Okay? He's saying this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets involved, he permeates from the inside out, changes everything it touches. It should be doing it to us individually. We should be changing. You see, instead of thinking selfishly, we begin to think with a kingdom perspective. Instead of speaking negatively, we talk about the hope that we have in Christ to those around us. Instead of acting out of self-survival, we sacrifice everything for the greater good of the kingdom. Have you thought about that? The way that you think, the way that you speak, and the way that you act? I try to tell the kids all the time, when Jesus gets a hold of you, things start to change. We think differently, we speak differently, we act differently. What are some of the things right now that the Holy Spirit is, is moving in you, saying, you've been thinking this way. I want you to think more about the kingdom. Rather than thinking mostly about yourself, how can you think more about the kingdom? That's the purpose of an event like Plugged In for Teenagers. Everything that they have in this world today tells my kids to think about themselves. And we say, no, no, no. That, that's worldly thinking. I don't want you to only think about yourself. I want you to think about the kingdom. What is it that we can do to begin thinking differently? What about our speech? I feel like I'm really almost required to say something bad about someone or someone's business on social media. Because when I look at social media, that's what everybody does. They just say something bad, something negative. Even things that are trivial. You know, 9 a.m., I've done seven loads of laundry and I'm exhausted, I need a nap. My goodness, 
you know, or so-and-so, I called so-and-so, and, and they said they would get back to me. It's been two hours, and no one's called me back. Terrible business. I mean, you know, it's like we just constantly are saying these negative things. But instead, as Christians, we're supposed to be the ones when we open our mouths that the hope of Christ comes out. That the people that are living around us in darkness, living in complete hopelessness, when they hear from us, it ought to be a different message than the world's message that's giving them. To. Does that make sense? When they hear negativity all the time from the world, when we speak, it ought to be positive. It ought to be positive hope of the future. That no matter how bad things could be right now, one day we have hope that we will be seeing face to face the king of our kingdom. Man. And what about our actions? It's really easy to act out of self-survival. To wake up and think of a to-do list of things that I can do to make myself more wealthy, to acquire more things, and to take care of me, mine, and all of that stuff. But maybe we ought to be acting out of self-sacrifice. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, guess what? You've got to pick up your cross and follow me. What did that mean? It meant self-sacrifice. It meant giving up everything. In his parable that we'll talk about next week, we're going to learn about what the value of the kingdom should be to us. It's a kingdom of great value. Worth us giving up everything for. And we become part of his kingdom. We begin to act out of sacrificially giving up all the things that the world says we deserve. Rather giving those things up for the better good of the kingdom. Are you experiencing growth in your own life? Are you experiencing change? The kingdom brings those things. So, so as, as the uh, mustard seed grows outwardly, the leaven Inwardly, the kingdom permeates every facet of our lives and every corner of the earth. Inwardly, the kingdom permeates every facet of our lives and every corner of the earth. The question is, are you allowing God to do that change in you? See, I think that God, he wants to work alongside of us. He could come along, slap me in the face, and make some kind of change in my heart, and I wake up the next day a new man. But I think he wants me to have this affection for him that makes me want to change, that makes me want to allow him to do the work. Tim Keller would say, if you're working really hard at being a Christian, you don't understand Christianity. I want you to know that's not what I'm talking about. God does the work in our life. The Holy Spirit makes those changes. But I do think he wants us to allow him to do that. There's a difference when our hearts are hard and we don't want to hear from him and we don't want to make changes and we don't want to make sacrifices. We can really stunt the growth that God's trying to do in us. But when our hearts are soft and our hearts are open and we wake up in the morning and we get on our knees and say, I'm nothing without you, Father. Make a change in my life. I'm struggling in this area and that area and I need your help. He will come and he will answer that prayer. He loves the prayer of a humble child who asks him to come. Please help me, Lord. He loves that prayer. The mustard seed is, is that growth of the kingdom numerically. And, and here on earth, the kingdom, it's organized in local churches. You know, like what we have here. Some of our local churches meet in grand cathedrals that are hundreds of years old. Some of our churches around the world meet in rooms with dirt floor and no electricity. But they're churches and they're part of the kingdom. And, and I think God... God's saying, I, I kind of want my kingdom to grow. Remember, we talked last week that God is being patient. He is waiting so as many as possible will come to know him. He's not being patient so that you and I can enjoy hanging out and fellowshipping with one another, just being happy with who's already in the group. I think he wants us to grow. I'm not saying our, 
our goal this year is to grow by a certain number, but I'm saying if God wants as many to come to know him as possible, and he has given us this local church body as part of the kingdom, then I would ask you the question, who is the person in your family or your neighbor or your coworker or your friend who God is saying to you right now, go throw the seed of the kingdom at them. I've already been working tilling the soil of their hearts so that it will be prepared to receive it when you do the proclaiming of the gospel. How else will they know? And then they will come, and the number will be added to that of the kingdom. Not because we want to brag about numbers or anything like that, but because we're, we're part of God's kingdom. And it's his desire that as many as possible will come. It's his desire that we baptize people every Sunday. But he invites us to come and be a part of that kingdom process. The leaven is the growth of the change from the inside out. Not only churches, because he does that, but also Christians. It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you, what does that look like? You know, in the past year, at some point, we studied through Colossians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul would say, it's putting off the old self and putting on the new self. He would say, it's putting to death those things of our past, those, those habits, those the way of speech, the way that we would talk to other people or quick to anger, okay? The lust, the, the things of the, the lust of the eyes, remember that? And, and wanting the things of the world, this materialistic idea. The Apostle Paul would say, allowing the Holy Spirit to change you is putting that stuff to death. It's growing up. It's going from needing spiritual milk to needing uh, real food, solid food. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says this, it looks like the fruit of the Spirit. And what is it? It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Listen to this other verse right after that. Verse 24, sometimes we, we don't add this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. I will say, those who belong to the kingdom of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have you crucified your flesh? Have you crucified its passions and desires for the greater good of the kingdom? That's a tough question. You know, last week we talked about the parable of the weeds, and as soon as we realized that we were wheat, not weeds, we were like, okay, I'm okay with this message. You know, I'm good. At the end of the day, I'll be part of the guys that get to go to heaven. But this message today, I feel like it leaves me with the question, am I allowing God to do the work in me so that I can be growing? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me so that he permeates and makes a change in every aspect of my body and my being, my thoughts, my speech, my actions? Am I a kingdom-minded person? Am I the kind of person that's part of God's kingdom that he's, that he's excited that I'm part of the kingdom? Or is he constantly having to go, no, Brian, no, Brian, we don't do that anymore. That was the old kingdom. This is my kingdom. This is what it looks like. Are we being changed? Who is it that God is, is wanting you to invite into the kingdom today? Have you been practicing spreading the seed of the kingdom? Have you been practicing talking about the gospel, the hope that you have in Christ to those around you? Have you invited people into this kingdom? Or are we happy with where we stand? Now that I'm in, you know, at least I'm in, have we forgotten the depths of what God had pulled us out of? Would we not want to go back and pull our other brothers and sisters out of that same pit? Wow. We get to be part of the kingdom. 
The kingdom is not just God up there doing all he wants to do and not using us. Man, he wants to, he provided us in. He's being patient. He's letting us be part of it, calling as many as will come. And not everyone will. And you might even get made fun of for speaking the name of Jesus out in public. I don't know. This day and time, most likely that will probably happen. But like we talked about, God doesn't need us to stick up for him. He's the king of the kingdom. He's the creator of the universe. Just keep throwing the seed. Sometimes it'll land on good soil, sometimes bad soil. But our job is to throw that seed. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in us to change everything, just like the mustard seed, just like the leaven. Let it permeate every part of us. My prayer is that we would see this, this um, example at work in our church here at Heritage, that we would see God doing something from a small beginning. I mean, we got the great story. We met in the band room, you know, at Wildwood Middle School. I pray that five to ten years from now, we would say, starting from this tiny little thing, look at what God's done, adding to the kingdom, people being baptized, people changing their eternity from being weed to being wheat. That's what we want, isn't it? Because this really isn't a place that we set up for everybody to just come and enjoy Sunday morning. Not really that type of church family. How many times has Sidney said, don't do church, be the church? I mean, how many times has he said things like that? You're the billboard. All those little things that Sidney comes up with, they're great, they're easy to remember. But it's not so we'll go, oh, yeah, I love it when he says that. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for us to go and do those things, to go out and be a part of the kingdom. We talk about community, kingdom, being the light in the dark and all those things. It's time to start doing that, church family. It's time to do it, and it starts as an individual process, and it grows into a group, and it just expands out into all those areas of darkness around us. I'm praying for you this week. Can we pray, Father? Your word is, is a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. If we will hide it in our heart, we will be less likely to sin against you and we can begin living in a way of being changed by your spirit, growing spiritually, being a light to those around us, letting, letting the leaven of your Holy Spirit permeate every part of our bodies, our minds, our thoughts, our actions, our speech. Father, I pray that when we look back five years from now, we'll say, man, I'm a different person. Not because of my effort, not because of my goals, not because of my things that I set out to accomplish, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. My desires are different. Father, I pray that as we move about in our community, as, as residents of your kingdom, that we will make a difference, that people look at us, they will see hope, not negativity, that they will see self-sacrifice, not self-survival. Father, change us. Make us like you. Thank you for the cross. It is the one thing that did something that we could never have done for ourselves. You made a way where there was no way. Now I pray that we would be a part of your kingdom that goes out. Use us, Lord. Use us today. Thank you for the cross. Amen.